0: Hello everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast coming to you from the wood shop at DTM Enterprises, my little wood shop in my backyard. Uh, Real quick about the podcast, it's a 12-step based recovery podcast. Uh, We do uh, explore lots of avenues of recovery. Uh, I'm open to hearing, I know we don't have a monopoly on this thing, so I am interested and open. But I do beat the 12-step drum because that's how I got well. Uh, most of it is people's stories uh, coming from uh, their childhood and how they uh, grew up and what happened to them that sent them into the uh, what a lot of people call into the madness and then uh, the, what happened to them that made them stop and what happened to them that got them well and uh, the miracles that have happened subsequent to doing that. So that's what most of our stories are now and again. We'll have a round table or something else like that. I do want to take a moment to uh, talk about uh dtmww.net you can check in there if you need any handyman work or woodwork in the louisville metropolitan area you can contact me at dan at dtmww.net spiritualunderground.org is the website that supports this podcast you can go there and see show notes and pictures of the guests when they choose to allow that Uh, We do practice the 11th tradition here and uh, protect people's anonymity at the level they wish it to be so. Um, There's a contact me page there too, so that's another avenue for getting a hold of me. 12 Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is available on Amazon. We currently have four meetings in the Louisville metropolitan area uh, delivering these 12 step tools to anyone who wishes to explore them. Uh, no need to be a traditional or a, a, a person of a traditional 12-step fellowship, although you are welcome also. 12-step um, spiritual recovery, Amazon, James Christopher Cone. The music wrapped around this podcast is by Darren Frank, as always. So let's get to business in hand here on this wonderful Sunday morning in December uh, I have a guest come in, and I always like this. This has happened uh, twice in a row now, where the first time I met the person that was coming uh, was at the in my driveway. <laughs> uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know Brad before then. Uh, and I like that too. You know, most of, you know, first, when I got this thing going, I had to recruit all my buddies to come. And now word's spreading, and buddies are getting their buddies, and, and, uh, and, and the web is increasing, and, I, and that, that brings a lot of joy to my heart. And I get to hear uh, stories I haven't heard before and get to uh as brad and i were speaking about earlier i get to make a new friend sitting here today so uh that's that collateral benefit thing so my guest today uh i'll tell you just uh brian l you heard him tell his story a few weeks ago uh brad here is was was brian's first sponsor that's what brian that's his words uh and he tells stories of uh you know, Brian is just really strong, and, and I love to listen to him. And, and when, when a guy is strong, he didn't invent it himself. He, he, ha- he, he had a good sponsor more, t- more times than not, that, uh, or let's say a strong, devoted sponsor that knew his stuff and was able to deliver that stuff to this man. You can see that in uh, Brian, and Brian. Brian gives Brad a lot of credit for, uh, for the things that he, uh, he carries in his tool belt today to, uh, to do this recovery thing. So welcome to studio brad how are you this morning
1: i'm fine thank you dan it's good to be here yeah uh, Dawson.
0: i Thanks. thank you for coming i know it was a little bit of a drive uh where y'all come up from frankfurt from frankfurt yeah, yeah. well it ain't too bad what's that An hour hour yeah not too Unless
1: bad jason's driving and it's quicker it's a little quicker <laughs> then.
0: yeah that's good uh yeah uh, so i appreciate that um you know most of the time what i do is start with the guy's sobriety date because uh Uh, for me it's a very important day for me Uh, it's more important than my birthday today is my the day that uh, I really feel that that was the day that I was reborn and uh, so we start out with your sobriety date I like to go back and look at how you grew up where you grew up family system stuff anything you want to share in that regards because because uh it is my belief uh that 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 I was alcoholic and had this spiritual sickness well before I took the first substance into my body and so I, uh, and most people as you look back like you we were talking a little earlier though that rear view mirror works pretty good as we get some clarity in our lives and I can see some things I couldn't used to see and I saw some things that uh, through my work my fourth fifth step things like that that uh, that that I that I was showing these tendencies and doing these behaviors of not feeling comfortable in my own skin and these kind of things uh, well before I you know that's essentially why I started feeling comfortable in my skin once I got that stuff in me uh, so sobriety date and we'll just get to going and having this conversation
1: my name's brad george and uh my sobriety date <coughs> is uh march 14th or 15th of 1999 uh, not really sure because i was drunk uh, and i had uh, no idea that i was getting ready to have my last drink Um, so I didn't write it on the calendar I just you know just uh, I had I had been uh, at that time I was I had uh, two residences I, I lived in a tool shed and that was my summer residence and my winter home was a homeless shelter in Frankfurt and I alternated between the two and that morning they put you out of the homeless shelter at uh, six. And fortunately for me, the local tavern opened up at six. And so I walked across town to the, to the tavern. and uh, I just had a little bit of money in my pocket, not much. And I had uh, my last drink, which uh, Cafe Royale, but what really was was uh, house whiskey and a styrofoam cup full of coffee, mm. and uh, I shook that down, and I knew I was running out of money and that I was going to get really sick because uh, I had drank, by that time, I had drank to the point where uh, and it I had to have liquor in me or I would be really sick I had this old pink blanket a quilt in the in the tool shed and when I was out of money I would just wrap up in it and, and lay there and shake it out I just you know I knew this was really going to hurt and that particular morning it was just cold as god it was awful and uh I uh I I got a plan real quick I I decided that if I could save this last half dollar I could get on the bus and go up to the bait shop and uh, hustle maybe a game of pool and I could get enough to drink for a while and that would put it off (laughs) and so I had my plan and off I went and uh, I got on the bus and there was my estranged wife and that's a whole nother story. But she was sitting there going to work, which I hadn't done for quite a while because I wasn't able. And uh, I had a new plan. I didn't have to shoot pool. I just sat down beside her. And what my plan was, was I was going to hit her up for 10 or $20. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I drugged myself over and I sat down beside her trying to act all pitiful. <laughs> I didn't need to act. <laughs> I was already shaking, and uh, I said to her, "I said uh, I'm, uh, I'm having some problems." And she said, "Yes, you sure are." And, and uh, I was almost to the point of asking her. for I said, "I think I'm going crazy." She said, "You've already gone crazy," and. And that's the way I remember. And about that time, we pulled up to the stop where she was getting off, you know. and <laughs> I couldn't let her get away because that was my meal ticket for the day. And so we walked in this little joint. Uh, it was a tea room, of all things. And we went in there and sat down, and I was still planning on getting some money from her so I could, you know. I didn't want to get sick. I just didn't want to get sick. And uh, uh, we sat down in there, and that last little bit of money I had, that girl brought us a cup of tea a piece, uh, and I gave her the last little bit of money I had <laughs> for tea, and I thought, well, you're out of your my And j- my ex-wife, she had gotten up and gone back to the back, and she came back, and she said, I called the hospital, and they said they'd take you in. Hmm. But you got to get your own self over there. I'm not going to help you from here. And, and I said, well, okay.
0: okay. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't the kind of help I was actually looking for. No, and, I,
1: and it was just really weird that I would even consider it, you know, because the bait shop wasn't that far away. I could have walked to the bait shop quicker than the hospital. But I took off walking out across there. And is about two, maybe two miles over there, and and it was, oh, it was cold, and I walked over there and turned myself in. That was middle of March of nineteen ninety nine. This uh, this orderly he, he he took care of me, and I noticed on the chart uh, it said. Uh, acute alcoholism and i thought that he was flirting with me (laughs) (laughs) i'm (laughs) cute and they took me to a room off to myself and uh i promptly laid down on the floor because i didn't want to mess their bed up and uh
0: that's interesting
1: i just uh was laying there and I had the remote next to my head and I turned it on to the weather channel, which is my favorite because you know, it's just on. And uh, the doctor came in, looked at me laying on the floor <laughs> and he pulled his chair up over close to me. He didn't make me move or anything. He just uh, talked to me for a minute or two. And uh, he said, do you, do you ever think about suicide? And I said, well, yeah. Doesn't everybody? Apparently not. Mm. (laughs) Because he got up, made a note or two, and he said, I'll see you later. And uh, then they came in, took my shoestrings and my belt and all that (laughs) stuff, and they whisked me upstairs. And by that time, I was getting sick. I was shaking and uh, getting sick. and knew it was coming. And I I honestly looked forward to going upstairs. Take me, lock me up. A few weeks before that, I was sitting on that old love seat out in that tool shed, and uh, I just had this real sudden and bright thought: "As God, I know you didn't aim for me to be living this way." Hmm. And that was it. Yeah, no big deal, no nothing. But it was a crystal clear thought, and everything that happened after that apparently has been god showing me how he did intend for me to live yeah Uh, i so i was raised in east central indiana and i was raised uh in a small family well the extended family was huge but my mom and dad and i had a brother and it was just the four of us Uh, dad would drink occasionally he had the day he died he still had the same bottle of echo springs sitting on his shelf and i promptly took care of that
0: (laughs) Uh, we're about in south central indiana in we're about central uh, east central i mean
1: yeah it's a little town called strong
0: say one more strong
1: s-t-r-a-u-g-h-n it's 25 miles west of the ohio line and 55 miles east of indianapolis Okay. Right on the highway. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've grown on. up
0: in Indiana all my life and run Southern Indiana on like a hoop, you know. And yeah, but I didn't get up that
1: much. I didn't go east a lot. I, uh, Newcastle, Muncie, yep, and all that yep, stuff, right up in there. Yeah, and that's where I was raised, out in the middle of a soybean field, little town, three hundred people. But uncles, I had uncles who drank that looked like what my drinking turned into, mm, sort of. Yeah. And I was always fascinated with the bottle. I can, uh, It was just an amazing. I loved to be around my uncles. And uh, when they were drinking, there was a whole lot of fun up to a point. Yeah, And then the fight started, you know. <laughs> but uh, I was fascinated with it. Uh, my first drink, I was real little. But about my folks, I started when my sponsors, Billy, uh, uh, Billy. Billy Hogue from, uh, Louisville. And he's my first and only sponsor so far. And, uh. But he asked me, he said, well, tell me a little something about your family. And I started telling him about it. he said, hold on, hold on. He said, that sounds like Leave it to Beaver. You know, (laughs) and I said, well, that's just the way it was. There wasn't any high drama or anything in my family. Hmm. It was just, you know, I had uh, bricklayer uncles and uh, uh, drinkers and... uh, it's just a wonderful mix of people who had moved to Indiana from Kentucky uh, years before to go to work in the factories. And the, but I had that first drink. I, they were having a Christmas party. To this day, Christmas always smells to me. When I think Christmas, the smell that comes back to me is that old Seagram 7. Mm you know that canadian blended yeah. whiskey it's yeah. got a particular yeah. smell yeah, it does it. yeah and that is christmas to me it happens every year i don't wow. care i've been sober 20 over 20 years you yeah, know now and think
0: about it it kind of has a little like piney kind of almost yeah. like a like a gin kind of juniper kind of that that yeah. introduced into that canadian it's, misc
1: and seagrams now yeah, yeah i had not thought I was about just that sitting in the chair the other night and i got a big whiff of seagrams and i thought there ain't none in the house yeah. <laughs> we turned the christmas lights on yeah, but, that's a, but there was a bottle of Miller High Life beer sitting over in this window sill, And it was the prettiest thing I had ever seen. The light was coming through it, and it was just amber and bubbly. It's almost like a commercial, I yeah. promise you. And I picked that baby up, and I had me a big drink of that. And it was the nuttiest, most wonderful flavor I had ever had in my mouth. I thought, this is grand. And somebody Hmm. promptly came in and said, you're not supposed to be drinking it. You're too little. And took it away. (laughs) Uh, And I was fascinated with drink from that point on. I was fascinated. Now, I got... (laughs) And I say there wasn't any high drama in my family and in my youth. And that's not exactly true. What it was is... there used to be this torture it was called the torture of a death by a thousand cuts and the story was that they would make these little bitty cuts on you and eventually it would bleed you down and you'd be in so much pain that you just wanted to die and that's what my youth was like to me yeah now i found out just a few weeks ago that i was actually fairly popular in school it never felt like that to me yeah it never seemed like that i was always something was screwy you know something was off yeah and and i just never felt you know i went through all the things i think i've heard all this before is that you know at one point i thought i was adopted you know i had to be adopted because these surely i couldn't be my parents you know <laughs> and i don't fit here it's just goofy you know yeah i just wasn't there and the uh, wilson talks about in there that we alcoholics are sensitive people and it takes uh some of us a long time to outgrow this serious defect he calls it yeah and uh that's it's like any little slight was another one of those little cuts just uh, until i was about 15 14 or 15 year old and two friends and i uh, we collected our money and, and pop bottles and everything we could get together and uh, we headed to the Ohio line. You could buy three, two beer over there. And if you looked old enough, you know, so we we got together and we got us a, a case of returnable, because they were all returnable back in, uh, uh, long neck Stroh's Bohemian beer, fire brewed. I'll never forget that. Yeah, <laughs> we had it. They put me in the back seat because I was the youngest. And they gave me the church key and the case of beer, and I was to hand that stuff out. I was good.
2: A bartender.
1: Yeah. And I opened that beer up, uh, passed them around it. Two went up front, and I had one. And did that again. And on that second one, I promise you, there was a glow started on the tip of my nose, spread back across my head and down my back. And I believe I laughed out loud for the first time since I was a little kid. Hmm. And it felt so good. I thought, this is great. This is the stuff. I have
0: struck gold.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) we were, so here we come. We're coming up the highway. And sure enough, I'm, I'm having a grand time. And the red light went off. Back then, it was just a bubble gum machine on right, top yep. of the car, and that red light went off, and the driver—I'm not going to mention their names because they're still kicking around—not only, but uh good guys grew up with—and the driver said, "Now, Brad, I'm going to make a hard right up here, and a hard left, and when I make that left, you throw that beer out," and I said, "Yes, sir, I'll do it," and so we made that hard left and i kicked that beer out and half a block down he stopped and the state policeman you know got out and talked to us all and gave me a ticket for littering (laughs) (laughs) didn't do anything to the other two guys so i got taken to the justice of the peace and uh, uh, they called my dad And uh, he came over and paid $23 for littering my fine. So the first time I ever got a glow on, I got arrested. And And it worked like that a whole lot after that. But I never ever. That stopped some people. Yeah, but I. That would stop some people. Well, it stopped one behavior. I never threw another beer away, (laughs) ever. The rest of my drinking career, you would never see, no, a full beer, did not escape that was, me
0: that's not going to happen again no and i was a i've learned my lesson
1: conservationist <laughs> i was going to save nature i wasn't going to litter <laughs> I'll <keep them>. but <laughs> yeah i never the last time last dui i got which would have sent me to prison for a year would have had it not been for a real sharp uh a public defender who saw a mistake on the calendar and it kept me from having my fourth down there in Kentucky in mm. a year of jail time county times so huh? but that little truck I was driving was full of snow you know how in the winter you put snow in there to keep it
0: get some weight in the rear end
1: yeah and uh, uh it was just bristling with beer bottles <laughs> <laughs> the police officer asked me he said have you been drinking and I said well yeah <laughs> look <laughs> <laughs> were <Well>, you blind <laughs> and he said well come on and get in with me and I said all right I said can I pull this on up here a little farther he said oh no you gotta leave it <laughs> setting right word <where> <laughs> and uh, uh that was my last DUI uh
0: how long before that how was that uh a good deal before your sobriety date, or was that,
1: yeah, yeah, that was uh oh maybe a year, okay, so that's a long time, yeah, but, but four months of that was spent in jail, oh was it, yeah, and uh, so what I was like is I was a really angry young kid, I was uh constantly having my feelings hurt and I wasn't big enough to whip a whole lot of people, but I would fight and I would get whipped and I would get whipped in at home, you know, for being in fight again. And I was angry. Uh, I walked around all humped up and mad because this place just wasn't treating me right. Uh, not the way I wanted to be treated and That night, when I, when I finally was able to laugh, alcohol was always my solution. Yeah. Always, my solution to what? To sobriety. Sobriety is a pain, you know. Sobriety was, man, that was rough. Yeah. So. Got out of jail that last time. Uh, four months in, had all those plans, you know, I'm going to go home, I'm going to straighten up, and everything's going to be fine. And I'll get back with my wife. We were separated um, uh, again in the... Uh, I was going to go back to work. I was a concrete finisher. I was going to go back to work doing that, and everything would be fine and there was a little bar was on the way home from the jail, and I stopped in Dutch mill. <laughs> I never made it home that day. You know it's just I was going to have one or two because after all, uh, and I never had one beer i that the bartender there, he knew me, and as soon as I walked in, he opened too, yeah. and you know, I'm yep. home. Uh, <laughs> even at one point, they, they had a, a, a table in the back and uh, had little Christmas tree lights and stuff up around it, and that was my seat. <laughs> and I thought it was I was special. And it turned out they just wanted to keep me away from the rest yeah. of the customers. So yeah, that You I sit did. over there. You sit over there. And that was my. <laughs> we got a special you know. place for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's. So I'm living in a tool shed. I couldn't work anymore. I'm living in this tool shed. And I thought that I was a little sharper than most people out on the street who were having to work. And I didn't have to work if I didn't want to. By 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 all that craziness. And I'm sitting in there at the same time one minute I would be so lonely I couldn't stand it the next minute. I'm smarter and better than you know, I'm just back and forth like that. It was
0: Yeah, we look bipolar.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's uh Yeah, I look something, I got it. I couldn't figure out why. The women weren't just coming around, you know, thick. And there I was in a tool shed, well. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you had a bath or brushed your teeth? You know? But that didn't dawn on me till I'd been sober for a while. <laughs> Probably wasn't all that attractive. And uh, so it talks about pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization that's what i was when i went to the hospital that i was actually believing that this was a good thing that i'm sharp that i'm right on top of all of this and as soon as the weather breaks you know here i'm coming out of shoot too you yeah know? yeah and uh it, i went and turned myself in cuz i didn't have any money left to drink with and i didn't have a clue what was going to happen but i just felt like i'd be safe in that hospital
0: yeah and And an angel walked into your life and pointed you in that direction too like you said you didn't have any that was not your plan for the day (laughs) it was
1: not absolutely not now and what they got so here we go I'm I'm in there and they've locked me up and I feel safe, but at the same time, I'm trying to fashion little plastic tools to take the windows out. (laughs) And then I (laughs) realized I'm on the fourth or the fifth floor (laughs) and it's really not gonna help. (laughs) You know, and I'm just, I'm all tore up, I'm all over the place. Uh, I voluntarily came in here now, I'm trying to break out. I'm trying to escape and I can't and they've got me on suicide watch and somebody's always coming up there peeking at you. I was miserable and I was getting sicker and sicker. (laughs) But I was safe.
0: Did they let you ride it out or did they?
1: No, they gave me some wonderful medicine. The people at the hospital were really good to me. And and the only problem they saw was uh, that, you know, they thought my head was going to blow off because my blood pressure was. right. And they didn't ask me what I was seeing. They just left me alone with that, you know. And uh, it was the darkest, really the darkest place I'd ever been inside, you yeah. So I laid down there and I went to sleep. I vaguely remember somebody coming in, uh, some asking me questions, just various hospital kind of questions. And then I drifted off and I had a remarkable dream. It was just. Uh, I can't describe really the way the dream went or anything like that but when I woke up I sat on the edge of the bed and I said God if you expect me to do this I can't drink and I can't not drink you're going to have to help me and that was that things started they kept me in uh in the loony bin for 11 days they're only allowed to keep uh uh an indigent in there for 10.
0: oh you got an extra day
1: yeah so they were trying to find a place to put me you know out in the community some kind of halfway or something not a halfway it had to be a whole (laughs) way they were looking for some place to put me and every place was full Mm. every place i guess it was curing season i don't know but every place was full except for they gave me this list and i went down that list and there was this one place and what i knew i needed to do was just to lay down and heal and it right there it said it said the healing place and i Ah. said do you know anything about these people they said no i said would you call them and ask them if they'll take me so They called them and they said, well, yeah, send him on. He's already been detoxed. And they said, yeah. They said, send him on. We're ready for him. And uh, so uh, they said, they'll take you. I said, great. How am I going to get there? (laughs) So uh, I called around, and I got a hold of a friend. And he said, well, Brad, I can't today, but tomorrow I'm going to be going to Chicago. I'll drop you off there and i asked him i said can you keep me an extra day and he'll pick me up Mm. and they said yeah cool now that these are the webs i'm talking about the little threads right his son had died from alcoholism Mm. and he was the guy that ended up taking me to the healing place yeah and um he said keep in touch and i did and uh, so I'm in the hospital there and I'm, I'm waiting for the next day and that next day came and there had been a guy that was in there in the booby hatch with me and he's great little he was a nurse he was a redheaded guy uh, he died sober wonderful but at that point he was there for the same reason I was <laughs> and he determined a few days before I left. He determined that uh, he wasn't really an alcoholic. It was diabetes was his problem, yeah. and all he had to do was take care of that. And he said, "I'm out of here." I said, "Well, okay, I'll see you." And
0: it's interesting uh, how many of us will you know take on some you know some other disease you know anything <laughs> oh, other than this one.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, cancer is yeah. always sympathy-inspiring, yeah. right. you yeah. know. Yeah. I've, I've got cancer. Your, your liver's swollen up this oh, big. It's right. got to be. <laughs> no, you're a drunk. <laughs> yeah. So I went up to the counter and uh, to get ready to do the last little paper signing to get out that on my 11th morning, that or that morning, and uh, um, there was a paper bag sitting there, and they said, This was left for you last night. And I said, Okay. And I opened it up, and there was a note in there. It was from this little redheaded nurse guy. And uh, his name was Clyde. He's a wonderful guy. And he's gone now. He did die sober. It's just a beautiful man. And inside that bag was a pair of tennis shoes, a 12 and 12, and a big book. Wow. And the note said, I don't know where you're going or what you're going to do, but you'll probably need these when you get there.
0: How cool is that?
1: (laughs) And uh, so when I finally, I got to the healing place. And uh, that's, you know, a long time ago. They didn't take court orders or anything back then. You know, it was just, uh, and we started you know, the next day, I started in step one, and I didn't know what they were talking about. I had no idea. Didn't know anything about it. no AA. prior
0: experience, no exposure no, whatsoever.
1: None of that stuff. Wow. And I did go to one AA meeting years before, but we went to the bar and got ready.
0: Yeah. And then we went
1: to the AA meeting, and that was to get my wife off my back. Yeah. You know, she had gone to an Al Anon meeting. Oh, damn it! So she told me <laughs> that I needed to go to AA. Yeah. Well, okay. So I yeah, went yeah, once. Right, and yeah. I don't remember much of it.
0: I caught a DUI when I was sixteen; was my first one, and and they would court order me. I, and if I remember, I had to go to three meetings. You know, and I can just barely remember it. And they're still having meetings at the same building today, uh, down here in New Albany. But uh, I tell people, you know, the only thing I remember from that meeting. Is coffee, old men, and cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing. And it was like a cloud. It was like a, you know, a thermal barrier about this high off the off the floor, where it was smoke from air up, you know, see anybody head to duck. It, uh, but I don't it none of that, like that. None of that got nothing got in to me. Uh, you know, from from that, I was just checking the box. Oh. I, you know, they said if you to get your to get your tail feathers put out, you need to do these check these three boxes,
1: and so I just went and did it. They, uh, they, uh, I remember they told me later that i shared at that meeting really yeah well that good I, job you know <laughs> i had no clue <laughs> what well, nothing you know it's just but i shared i guess and uh, i love a newcomer <laughs>
0: share man it, i still do when somebody comes in and they're you know it's one thing is if they've got the guts up to share most of the time you know they, there's something under there you know to to maybe to work with
1: oh i was drunk
0: <laughs> yeah and but I'll you know talk. that's <laughs> i'll
1: talk You can tell right now. I'll talk. Yeah. So what happened uh, to me was that they put me in there and they started me going to these classes. And, And I went to those classes and I didn't understand what they were talking about or anything. And finally, the guys, some of the guys, they would go into the smoke room I still smoked in Mm -hmm. and they would go into the smoke room and they'd be talking about this big book and finally I got the big book out and they would read to me so that I would know what in the world they were talking about and so we started reading and I really began to recognize myself uh, some of the stuff And at the same time, I was just a bundle. I mean, I hadn't had a drink then for, you know, 11, 12, 14 days, and it was, I was just, oh, God. I would walk in circles. I couldn't really remember the Lord's Prayer. I was trying. Yeah. I would just walk around that building and walk around that building. <laughs> Security would tell people, don't go around him because we're really not sure what's getting ready to uh, happen. And I would try and say that prayer just to keep from exploding. Yeah. One one morning, I went down to the Jefferson Street Mission. They had the best breakfast. If You know, you can go in there and they. I don't know if it's still there, but it was great. And... I went in there, Uh, I'm in the healing place, and I'm surrounded by guys who are are in the same shape I am. But uh, I got down there at that Jefferson Street Mission, and I'm in line to get my tray. And this absolutely gorgeous little girl, little girl, 9, 10, 12, but just beautiful, pushed my tray toward me. And she said, here you go, sir
2: hmm
1: and something about her saying that just filled me up with some kind of hope I didn't know what it was but she called me sir she yeah. didn't see old drunk
0: yeah love of a child that, that innocent eyes
1: and I sat down over and eating, and then these guys got up in a circle and they said we're gonna have prayer do you have anything that you would like us to pray and I said yes And they said, well, come up here and stand with us. And I did. And I said, I want you to pray for me that I'll just have the strength to do whatever it is I have to do because I don't know what it is. And they said that. And they said that prayer. And it was like, it was genuinely like if water could be light, it just kind of poured over me in that Mm. prayer. Now, I forgot about it 20 minutes later, but, you know, it was, this is, and I hung on to that in a way that I don't understand. So, in the healing place, uh, they call it the Marine Corps of Recovery and all that. uh, You do go through the, but I didn't know anything about AA. But here's what I did know, is I didn't like, I was 47 years old when I went there. And I'm broke down from being a concrete finisher. I'm sore. I'm, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm just past DTs, you know. And I did not like the top bunk. Ah. Okay. And they said, if you'll go to these meetings and document them, you'll get a better bed. Uh, all right. Just show me where they are. And uh, they said, well... In your case, we'll put people with you. Because The first time I went to a class over at Second in York, it's called York Towers over there, uh, I went to a class. The first time I went there, I got lost in Louisville. And there I was just wandering around. And toward the end of the class, I found my way in. And, uh, went, oh, okay. And here I am, <laughs> and I walked in, and I just said, I'm really sorry, but I don't know anything about louisville <laughs> and i got lost and they said okay and they assigned these guys they said he's yours yeah you gotta walk with out. him and keep they on brad <laughs> and, and so they did and uh so we uh we went through all that but they said you'll get a better bed and that was what i needed and the guys showed me the meetings and they showed me the bus routes to get on and You know, these are guys, these are rough cut guys from Louisville. Yeah. And they took care of me like I was a little brother. Right. You know, it was an amazing deal. And they would read to me because I couldn't focus enough to read. And they would ask me questions and say, now you got this piece, you got this piece. Do you understand what that means? And we would sit in that smoke room at night to weigh up and uh, go over big book material, you know. And... Uh, I s so I started going to the meetings and I would go they put you out at six o'clock in the morning you can't check back to four o'clock in the afternoon the healing place did that. at the healing place yeah in the homeless shelter mm. and uh all day long I would go to meetings Louisville's wonderful like it that. is There's We're meetings, very blessed you know everywhere and so I would go to meetings and Finally, I just sort of fell in love with the Jeff Token Club when it hmm. was, yeah, you know, the old white yeah. building. When it was
0: behind the, by, behind the McDonald's and down, yeah. Yeah, downtown yeah. before they redid the highway.
1: Yeah, and I just fell in love with that place. And so I, I went to meetings over there and we just st- sat around, you know, and they kind of like healing place guys because we didn't, <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> they're like. They're harmless, (laughs) you know. They're so sick; they're not going to cause a problem.
0: So, to take a bus, did you take a bus across? A lot of times, I walked Second Street
1: Bridge. Yeah. If the weather was good, if the weather was bad, and I could get a bus token, you know, I would come on across. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't work at the healing place at that time. I don't know if that's changed. Yeah, I don't either. And uh, so, we're going through the steps, and I didn't know it i had no clue so i'm just doing what they said and perfect we're going through there and it got up to be uh, late may or june okay. and that summer of 99 was so hot and dusty and low, dry for me anyway i don't know but somehow i was uh I was at a meeting, a uh, class at York Tower. Are
0: you using the word class and
1: meeting interchangeable?
0: No. No. So classes.
1: Class is an actual healing place. You go to first step classes. Okay. You go okay. to second step classes. Yeah, that's and a new language to me. Yeah. And I mean, they put you, it's called Recovery Dynamics. Yep. It's by yeah, fam- developed by Joe and Charlie. Yep. And I'm familiar it, with that. Yeah. So that's what it was okay. you had classes yeah. that right. you had to attend. And... uh then when you got up to uh after your third step and you're in to inventory then you started staying on campus and doing your classes there but classes were step work it was like and it was every day uh but i came out of there i came out of there uh it was hot and miserable i had a little bit of money in my pocket there's a kroger store right down the street and i knew they had beer mm. and there's a an exotic uh-huh. you know a, a tavern with a view yeah <laughs> back behind me and i knew you know and i was standing there on the corner of second york and i wanted to drink more than anything and at the very same time i didn't want to drink And it was like I was being torn in half, and it was miserable. And I went back inside, and I sat down in one of them chairs, and the tears were just, uh, (laughs) it was hurting. Yeah, pain. Manly tears, of course. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm sitting there, and this guy has three years sobriety. He comes up to me, and his name was Mike. And Mike said, what's the matter? And I said, I don't know. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) And he turned around, and he he said, Fred, I think you better take this one. Uh. So Fred came over, and he had five years sober. (laughs) And he said, what's the matter? (laughs) And I said, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> he just kind of looked at me. I said, I think I want to do my third step. And he said, okay. So we got down on our hands and knees mm. and had one of those little ticket or those little cards, like a business card. Yeah, yeah, that has the, the third them. step prayer mm-hmm. and the seven step prayer. And we did my third step prayer. And nothing happened zero zilch Cecil B. DeMille didn't show up Moses wasn't there and the sea didn't part nothing it was just like empty hmm. I thought, well I hadn't noticed I'd quit crying and I walked out of that building York Tower and the second street bus pulled up and I hopped on the second street bus and I rode around Louisville the rest of that day mad upset because nothing had happened <laughs> on my third step prayer and it didn't dawn on me till later I hadn't thought about a drink since mm. to this day I have not been thirsty wow for a drink of liquor not been thirsty
2: mm.
1: for an alcoholic see I'm a I'm a real alcoholic just I'm an alcoholic and now, I did lots of other stuff. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not, you know, parley purebred or anything. I, I, anything, uh, I didn't like smoking pot. It made me feel goofy mm-hmm. and paranoid, and mm-hmm. I did not like that. And I love amphetamines. I mean, I was wild about those things. Uh. It, it would you could really do some drinking on them and shooting pool. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could shoot pool and drink all night long yeah. for several days. Yeah. You know, and that to me was. But then they see back when I was doing that, that was uh, they were called diet pills. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, you always kept a heavyset friend <laughs> who had a prescription. You know, and if you're a little guy like me, you had a kind of halfway bodyguard and pill supplier but they made that illegal uh, in Indiana, or all over the country, they quit making Mm -hmm. amphetamines. And so that was over, no big deal, I still drank. Then years later, this cocaine came around, and uh, this is all right, it cranked me up, and I could, you know, I could drink. And uh, then one day, and I promise it happened just like this, there was the opportunity to buy what they called then an eight ball right and or i could buy beer i couldn't do them both i didn't have enough to do them both (laughs) and that's the last time i ever had anything to do with cocaine it was just no (laughs) no i don't need that so i consider those my drugs of choice because i actually had a choice in whether i used them or not Hmm. it never dawned on me To even consider alcohol. It was like this river of amber that ran through my life was a constant and steady. It was always there. So yeah, I had done that. No, I was raised in the '60s. Let's get over it. Right? I mean, yeah, that stuff was going yeah. on. And well, most of my
0: drug use came in the form of things that helped me drink. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the reasons I not really like pot because it put me down. And anything was a downer kind of stuff, like guys like Xanaxes and other stuff that would drop me down. Yeah, that was never what I was looking for. I was always looking to continue. I wanted to drink I, as long as I possibly could between sleeps.
1: Yeah, well, that Professor Peabody or Doctor Peabody, did you ever hear him? I he, don't know. That might be a new one. He started to me. He started a treatment, sort of a treatment thing that was successful back in the. Seventeen, eighteen hundreds, 1800s long long time ago and in the front of the common sense of drinking mm-hmm. I think so it, in the front of his book he talks about uh, that eight hours of sleep without a drink is an unusually long period of sobriety for an alcoholic <laughs> and that's true yeah. I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning almost like clockwork my body is telling me you got to have a drink and i would get up and i would drink until i quit throwing it up and i could finally hold it down you know and then i'd be smoothed out and Mm. the day has begun yeah (laughs) and they told me that i had a phenomenon of craving you know in my first step work the phenomenon of craving is described in the doctor's opinion and and it's wonderful. Uh, it's a piece that we have to have to understand this first step. It, the simplest way I could ever get it to work in my head is that when I drink I get thirstier. It's just that simple and that's the way it was. If So I've been, recently I've been diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes, and the the nutritionist who's working with me said, now you need to drink eight glasses of water a day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's no way I could drink eight glasses of water, but if you put a 12-pack down in front of me when I was drinking. And you said, you got to drink this. I would start and tell you, you need to get on to the store because this is not, not going to be enough. Yeah. And I just got thirstier with every drink that yep. I took. That's the phenomenon of craving. Right. The other part of that first step, there's three parts to it the way it was explained to me, is this mental obsession with the relief that I get from drinking some alcohol. It is like sobriety, being without a drink, life sucks. okay? It just does. I'm in conflict with everybody around me. It's just one war after another. And, but I know that all I have to do is take a drink and I'm going to feel calmer. Yeah. I'm going to just be okay and that is so strong in me the desire for that relief and that smoothness that it will take me to a drink every time and there's not a thing I can do about it I never could not drink even when I wanted to not drink which was not very often or when I had to not drink that was miserable and it would only last for a little while
0: the minimal amount
1: (laughs) yeah and so they showed me that. And then the other part is hyphen, new thought, you know, unmanageability. Well, my life was eminently manageable, I thought, when I was drinking. Because I felt like I was managing it. But if I wasn't drinking, I remember what it felt like living. And that was awful. There was nothing manageable about that. Things were coming at you. It was just nuts.
0: Yeah, like the pile problems pile up so quickly you can't even begin to imagine resolving them. Yeah, just that's, crazy. Yeah, but put a couple of drinks in me.
1: It's great. There go. Ain't worried about that. It's <laughs> a new day, sport. Let's go. Let's go to Florida. Okay. And and I was and that's the odd thing about alcohol with me is it always acted like a stimulant. Now I know it's a depressant, but when I drank, I was ready for action. No. And a lot of times, I wasn't even aware that I was still in action. <laughs> you know, I would wake up in the middle of conversations and not knowing where I was or who that person was I was conversating with. Yeah. And that was really interesting. Uh, it was always exciting. Something I never
0: was a blackout drinker. I just couldn't remember what happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just, yeah, that's I got that, too. <laughs> so i took my third step prayer and right after that uh i began to write inventory for the first time and it was a really interesting deal and uh at the healing place we did it on a checklist and uh, worksheets worksheets yeah and uh so i ended up staying at the healing place for about 18 months and i went from client to uh, what we called assistant staff, but they called it peer mentoring now. Mm -hmm. And then I went on full-time staff at The Healing Place. And uh, so I was there for a a bit. Then uh, somewhere along in through there, I started getting pretty antsy. The stuff I was hearing, in AA meetings, wasn't lining up quite in my head with what I was uh, seeing in recovery dynamics. And, you know, there was just this kind of a goofy thing. And uh, so a friend of mine, uh, who's, he's no longer with us, but he had, at that time, he had a set of tapes by a guy named Clint Hodges. Clint, Mm -hmm. Clint's already gone, but he... He
0: was I've been listening to Clint lately.
1: Have you at Manuka? Uh,
0: the, the, uh, uh, Billy stuff. was here, and he and, and then Br- Brian ended up sending me the links to the Sky Camp, yeah. the big talk there. So and I like I got to pour stuff in me two or three times. So I work all day long out like doing handyman jobs and stuff, and I wear earbuds and I listen a lot to speaker stuff while I'm working. And I've been going, I've listened to that like twice in
1: the past couple weeks. Well, we had tapes back yep. when I was getting sober. And I would play those things on high speed, you know, and they sounded like the chipmunks, but I had limited time at the healing place when I could listen to that. So yeah. I wanted to get it all in.
0: Yeah. You know, you can like today, just, just as a, an aside, like these podcast things, they don't have a little step up where you can make it go up one and a quarter faster or one and a half Is faster, you know, and you can step it up so you can get through it a little quicker, <laughs> Yeah. but because sure. you, you can take it in faster, you know, than them guys normally talking, you can absorb it quicker.
1: Yeah. So... And Billy's all involved in this too. So this friend, Don, he said, why don't you listen to these tapes? And I said, okay. And they were Clint, and he was at Manuka at a retreat, a step retreat. And I listened to those, and I mean, every light in me came on. It was just like, yeah, this is what I've been looking for. The way the steps were broken down, you know, and his experience with the steps. It was just amazing to me. And so I asked Don, I said, Don, where did you get those? And he said, well, see that name written right there on the, that's the guy that I got them from. And it was Hogue. Mm. And I said, well, where do I find him? And he told me where his home group was. Uh, I said, okay, how do I get there? And he said, you take the, I can't remember which bus it was. It may have been the number two. But anyway, he said, you take that out there to Trinity High School on Tuesday evenings. And so I did, there I went, and I went out there. And at that time, it was a pretty small meeting. Now it's a lot of men. Large. But it was just about 20 or so of us sitting in a circle in one corner of that big room. Mm. And 20 or 30. And uh, so I went in there and I plopped myself down and they always introduce themselves go and around so the room I just sit there and listen and sure enough my name is Billy Hogan I'm an alcoholic and I, I got you and I don't remember anything else about the meeting you know just yeah 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 oh, let's get on come on and <laughs> and so
0: get this thing over so i can talk. to me
1: yeah so I got out in the parking lot and I collared him out there and I I said uh, uh, I understand that you're a fan of Clint Hodges. And he said, yes, I am. And I said, can you take me through the book the way he talks about it? Mm. And And Billy was wearing suspenders that day, that night. And he took him, you know, how you put your thumbs under there. Yep. Stretch you em. stretch him. He stretched them out. out there. And he said, well, I usually don't do that except for groups. But in your case, you'd be in my office tomorrow at 5 o'clock and we'll get started. <laughs> and I said, okay and that's how i got my aa sponsor you know which is different yeah and billy started giving me tapes i listened to old timers uh, he just immersed me in aa
0: yeah i'm a speaker take jumpy junkie i have poured so many for a guy five years just coming up on five years i'm on a venture I guess there's not a lot of guys that listen to more hours yeah uh, and it just keeps it just keeps good food coming into my head it's and
1: huge it's huge to hear that shared experience from years ago. Yeah, it's a brain
0: washing. Yeah. Help me clean out this dirty old head and get it some good stuff in to there. Be washed, it did. Didn't it
1: did. <laughs> and so that's, and that's how I met Billy. And he said, Come up here. And I already told you about how he said I lived in Beaver Cleaverland, you know. And he said, Tell me about your first step. And I started in with my healing place knowledge, you know. Yeah. the Step one is three parts, you know, and I'm, he said, hold on, hold on. You know more about the first step than I ever want to know. He said, but what I've seen is you can't sit still. And I thought, what's that got to do with anything? Let's get on with it. And he said, I'm gonna teach you to sit still. And so, he said, put your feet flat on the floor, mm. sit up straight, yeah. tilt your head just a bit, put your hands comfortably in your lap. And he said, now I want you to breathe in and breathe out. And he started me on that. And he wouldn't let me go uh, away from that breathing uh, during our times together for quite a while until I was really breathing. And he would light incense. I thought, what in the world? and <laughs> Ring a gong thing and yeah. bells and bells. You know, I have bells now. I've know, got all that <laughs> stuff, too. The big thing white sage over there yeah, on that I, I box. That I got a letter. big
0: gong in my bedroom and singing bowls and yeah, incense. And but crystals. At that, time, and at that time,
1: that wasn't happening. No. But what am I going to do? Billy, at one point, and I can't remember exactly what step we were talking about and going through. It may have been inventory again, you know, inventory I just did, him. and uh, he said, well, let's see, you're living at the healing place, you don't have a job, he said, well, what have you got to lose <laughs> by doing, I, well, if you put it that way, I guess it'd be all right, and so uh, he coached me on through there, but. He started me, if you were being technical about it, he started me uh, in the 11th step because he taught me how to sit still and he taught me how to breathe and to relax and how to listen. And then we started reading the book. And then we started
0: That's fantastic.
1: answering all the questions. We got quiet first and... It's just a huge piece of my recovery is being able to uh, sit quiet. You know, I can be alone at perfect peace and ease. That's right. the fifth step. Yeah. You know, that's some of that right there. Oh, and when we were talking earlier, you know, you were talking about uh, the growing up mm-hmm. and entering into manhood. Yeah. Now this is what Billy told me about the fifth step. After I did my fifth step with him, which he fell asleep during, but. uh, He did, really? Yeah. (laughs) That's inspiring. His his back was hurting, you know, and he didn't feel good that day, and he was hearing it anyway, and he drifted off this. Before he went to sleep, he said, if I fall asleep, just keep reading, kid, because it's between you and God, really. I'm here just to be here. And I did, I just kept on reading while he napped there for a while. And uh, he said, we got up, he got up and I got up from the edge of the bed and we walked out onto this back deck. We were at a thing called Ultimate Weekend Retreat and we were there and uh, he took me to a lot of things like that. and he said well kid you moved up to the big table I, what? he said you know when you're a little kid you sat at the little kids uh-huh. table during Thanksgiving and Christmas you all had family gatherings he said now you move up to the big table said, you're here now mm. welcome to the leper colony yeah. and it, that was and is to me still a big deal Moving, and so I tell my guys, I said, now you're going to move to the big table. This is when it gets real. Yes, I like and, that, uh, and it does. I mean, the feast, the feast is amazing. That's laid out in front of us. So, I was really fortunate that Don M, is my grand sponsor, and uh he has a sponsor and I, I just have this wonderful group of men. Yeah. And when I was early and still here, they were just they treated me like a full blown member of AA. There wasn't any initiation or anything like that. It's just here you are, okay. Let's come on in. Yeah. And and that has meant so much to me. Uh and with those guys, there was never so much uh, of this kind of mean kind of holding you accountable. But there was this sense of humor. And, you know, I would get a wonderful, bright idea. And Billy would say, please call me with those because I just really need a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was that kind of thing. And uh, And they would just chuckle, you know, oh... That's a good one. (laughs) Now let's look at sanity for a while. (laughs) Billy told me that I had been gone so long and was so out of touch that I had no idea what sanity would look like uh, when God returned me to that. And so I had to go in there and I had to, in the book, I had to go through there and I had to find a picture of sanity. And I found one for me. A, there's a paragraph in there that starts out, many spiritual people have a sense of what life's really all about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, this and that. And it was all down through that one paragraph. And I said, this looks like sanity to me. He said, okay, just copy it out of the book, write it down. And when you're returned to sanity, we'll see if it matches. And it matches. You know. There's a sense of purpose now that there never was yeah I try to I try to meditate and uh, I try prayer you know uh, in my in my case uh, I do you know I do it in the mornings like I'm supposed to and mm-hmm. I do it in the evenings like yeah. I'm supposed to I'm as not, prescribed yeah I'm just not good at it yeah you know I'm not a practitioner, but what What I discovered in going through these steps the AA way the way it's outlined in the book is once I was ready for God to have all of me, the good and the bad, flat out just take this, take me. I don't know what in the world to do. Billy said, after the third step prayer, Brad, your life is no longer any of your business. And so just get over it. And I understood that. You know, I had to be quiet and I had to sit still and wait and watch and pay attention. Be mindful, they call it now, but just pay attention, kid. And uh, what I discovered was as I continue to take personal inventory and admit when I'm wrong instead of trying to defend my mistakes, you know, uh, admit it when I'm wrong and I do my prayer and meditation that people show up. I don't. I, when I first got sober, I would go out and I would be recruiting. You know, I'm going to take you through this book, and I'm going to, you know, and. But what has turned out so far, uh, in my life, in this wonderful life I've been given, is that if I do. Ten and eleven. If I'm doing that, that 12th step happens for me. Yeah, I don't have to force it. When Wilson talks about in the traditions, attraction rather than promotion, mm-hmm. that comes down to the personal level as well. All of those traditions do. But people, if I'm, if I'm consistent in my practice, people show up. Right. And they, they call me. No, and I don't always know how they got my number. Mm-hmm. One guy called me from the middle of the desert. <laughs> He'd run out of wine uh. in the middle of the desert. He called. Me. He said, "Well, somebody told me to call you." I said, "Well, come over." And he got back, and he came over. I think he may be my oldest living pigeon. I don't know for sure, but he's a mess. I just love him. He's still sober today. Still knocks around. Does you know? he? Yeah, yeah. He's. A...
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. When you uh, my best analogy for watching people come to life in this is like a flower blooming. It is. You know, when they, you watch here, watch those nature shows, you see that flower come up out of the ground, and the head is always just bent to like one hundred and eighty degrees and down towards the ground, and you just watch it slowly come up, and when that bloom happens, well, then those other people see that. You know, yeah. and that's that attraction standpoint of uh, of seeing that, and they, you know, and I remember doing it, going, there's something up with that dude that I'm looking at, you know, and I was like, I, and I and I was impressed with it. My heart, my true spirit inside of here, yeah. was going, there's something there. What is? It? Look at it, go after it, maybe, yeah. you know, and.
1: Speaking of going after, so I skipped over uh, eight and nine, and, but, so. I had done most all my damage uh, that I thought over at Frankfurt. And they had this, used to have this thing, it was called Expo. And it was a big gathering downtown. They have all these arts and crafts and carnival and all that stuff going on right downtown. So my plan was, and at the time when I was sober, like that young, uh, it was really uh, a thing around AA to be current in your amends are you current yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Well I was uh, I was buying it. So I decided here's my plan. <laughs> I have a plan. Uh, yeah, I should have called Billy before, but it I didn't of course. And so I had this plan and I was going to go over to Expo and I had my amends list and I was going to amend those people over there <laughs> at Expo. <laughs> And so it lasts for a whole weekend. So I went over and I wandered around, wandered around, wandered around. Not one person on my amends list from Frankfurt showed up. Not one of them showed up. And I was just fit to be tied I, this is awful. What? And so I did, I called Billy. <laughs> and Billy said, Brad, where in the book does it say that we stalk our amends? It doesn't say that. He said, you stop it. You just wait and ask God to bring you to your next amends. He said, that's your prayer. It's that simple. Show me my next amends. Bring me to my next amends. Make me willing for this next amends. That's exactly the
0: illustration of that guy showing up at my
1: gate. Yeah. They show up. They just show up. And I'd be walking down the street. One was an attorney. And I owed him money, and there he was. And I, oh, God, how am I? And I walked up to him, and I said, hey, how are you? And I can't pay you right now, but I want to set up a payment schedule. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me, and he said, Brad, how long have you been sober now? And I said, well, two years. And he said, I'll tell you what. If you stay sober, you don't ever get a bill from me. If hmm. you get drunk, you're going to get a bill, plus interest. Hmm. I, said, I don't know whether to thank you or not. <laughs> we laughed. and Another one was a, a state trooper. And I knew I had to talk to him. And I, I was coming into a gas station, and he was coming out, and there we were, stuck right in the door. And I, I hadn't asked for him. I, <laughs> I really hadn't asked for him yet. And we stepped off to the side, and he said, How are you? And I said, Well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm not back to work yet, but I've been sober now for two years. And it took me about, to be able to be really gainfully employed, it took me about five years yeah. to be employable. I was pretty sick when I yeah. got here. And, And he said, you know, you don't owe me anything. I said, well, what about? I thought I owed you. He said, no, no, you didn't owe me nothing from that deal. I said, that's water under the bridge. He said, you just keep doing what you're doing. And that that was amazing to me. And so those people just kept showing up in my life, some uh, restitution you gotta make. Mm -hmm. And you make the best deal that you can, and then you write those little miserable checks that just kill me until you're caught up. Yep. And so I did that, yeah. And you think you're done, but you really don't know all the harm you caused. Just a few weeks ago, i can't remember exactly how uh this person had been on the ancestry thing and they sent me a note and said we think you we're cousins And i said well okay and so i got i texted back to him, and i said well i'm told them where i was from and who my dad was and they said yes we are cousins because your uncle was my dad. And see, they lived in California. I hadn't been around them but once. Hmm. And I said, Now, are you the little girl from California that I pushed down in the snow when you were visiting in Indiana? And she said, Yes. Wow. And I said, I am so sorry. She said, What that did to me was I was terrified of snow for years after mm. that she thought she wasn't good on snow mm. and I, I'm I'm sorry I was a thug if you know anything I can do and she'd laugh and we talked on there a texting back and forth and I said I've been sober since 99 and she got sober as oh. it turned out uh, 8 years or 7 or 8 years before me wow and we've been talking back and forth now it's like see i thought i was all current right but they keep coming up
0: uh yeah i, I reject that a little bit i hear that now and again like have you done all your amends like, <laughs> i don't know you got a <laughs> clue. i feel like i have i feel solid i'm okay today i, I feel all right but but
1: uh, yeah who knows yeah and they they just show up now i had never forgotten the incident Mm-hmm. of pushing her down yeah. in all of those years yeah. i had not ne- so in 60 years i hadn't forgotten that i had done that. now i've done a lot of other crap i know i have that i don't remember okay but that one with her had always stuck there wow and we got it clear and yeah you know we got square with each other in a text message of yeah, all things. Yeah. Now I get to see pictures, and she sent, you know, and it's just a whole new ballgame
0: again. Yeah. So families reassemble this kind, you know, where you, you know, that come back together, and now you have this relationship and clean that house and yeah. And, and it, she
1: got free, and I got free. Yeah. We both got free. Yeah. In that. And she's been sober in that.
0: That is too yeah. cool. That's yeah. a wonderful story.
1: Golly, yeah. That's I love how them. Men's work. We talk about the little. One guy called it uh, a disease of inches and seconds, seconds and inches, or something like that. Wilson talks about it being these real thin threads that connect us, and it's that kind of stuff again that we get to participate in as we continue this practice. Yes, just and this is a practice that. you know once through the steps oh well okay (laughs) no (laughs) and i get to write inventory way more often than i thought i'd ever i thought that checklist was going to be the end of it at the handling place you know and then i thought my next one was this was going to be the one that sends me into no 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 i just clear the ground a bit
0: yep and uh you know that's a uh my sponsor made it pretty clear to me out of the gates that this was not going to, you know, if we were going to do it the way he does it and the way he was taught to do it, you know, I, I, like his book says, I will tell you what I have done. <laughs> what uh, I've done, what he had done, you know, that you periodically do it, you know, and by one of the ways you do that and the way higher power works and all that is that when I can stay in contact with my sponsor every once in a while, he goes, hey, Dan, I've been noticing. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's time for you to, and uh, yeah, and, and, and I get to, Dig a little deeper each time.
1: When when I, I go through the book with newer people, um, or with people, and the, they're not always new people anymore that yeah. I go through the book Maybe group. new to you. Yeah, and uh, I always get to write a little piece of inventory with them, mm-hmm. and I get to fifth step with them. Yeah, so that I'm. Showing them how I actually do things. Yeah. So there was this. There was this rabbi, and a wonderful guy, and he went to see uh, this holy man. And some of the other guys, the young students around him, said, "Well, what are you going to ask him? What are you going to, you know, what are you going to ask him when you?" He said, "I'm not going to ask him anything." why are you going to see him if you're not going to ask him? He, he said, I want to see how he ties his shoes. Hmm. I want to see how he really lives. You know, that's what we need to be able to demonstrate in our practice, how we really do this. You know, I lose my temper with a two-year-old. You know, I do. Yeah, And I feel like a total heel after that. What's going on? You know, uh, why is why are you afraid? What's going on here? Why are you angry? If I'm angry, I'm scared. Yeah. You know, uh, like those puffer fish. Yeah. You know, they they get scared and they swell Blow up. up. Me too. <laughs> At a two year old now. Right yeah. Come on. <laughs> I raise my voice with a two year old. And, and I have to hug him and let him know that I'm not upset and that it's not his fault. You know? Yeah. And um then I got to ask myself, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you what's so special about your time right now that you can't put that phone down or turn that TV off? Why can't you just share some more of your time? Yeah. You know, well because I'm a selfish old prick. <laughs> I, I, this is my time. You know, I'm getting. I'm not getting any. Yeah, sh- this is time. my
0: show. The ball game's on. The,
1: yeah, yeah. And oh, my, relax, you know. Uh, Brian told me, he said, I want you to go over and do that podcast thing because you know you're not getting any younger. <laughs> and I... Yeah, well, thanks, yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing with the kids or with the grandchildren. I'm not getting any younger, and I need to share the time that I have. It's not all my time, Yeah, you know. I need to share it and not be so wrapped up in me. And I get that way, and if I don't inventory, and if I'm not talking with people about this practice on a regular basis, the next thing you know i'm going to be that little old man that nobody wants to be around yep it's there yep it's there in me that
0: loneliness and despair is just right around the corner if cranky i'm
1: cranky old bastard yeah, yeah that's exactly what i'd be
0: yep yeah and i see some people in my life that i'm actually stay in contact because something tells me to just not knock them off but they're they're living lonely existences and, and doing that and for whatever reason you know they they, they they tolerate me and I tolerate them and I just hope you know I'll just I don't want to alienate them. Yeah. that's what I certainly don't want to do, but, but it's hard to be to do that you know and you watch them and whew, just pray that they you know someday yeah. do it and if they don't, they don't you know some the fact of the matter is some people have to die to, from this disease, it seems because that's what happens and'm so family. that others of us can live you know and
1: that's a little high thinking for me but yeah i know i can't figure it out Nelson couldn't just we don't understand we don't but it's an amazing deal
0: yeah yeah i got a couple teenage kids you know and, and 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 you know from i love being a sponsor there's absolutely nothing in my life that brings me more joy than to get a guy and take him through this work and watch him come to life and watch then watching the and watch the miracles start happening in his life, you know. And you know, there's collateral benefits, you know, because their mom comes up and thinks I saved them, you know. And I'm like, what? It wasn't me. You know, Played a part. Thank you, ma'am. I can take. I can. I can. I can accept the compliment with gratitude and understand the the. But I make sure that they know it ain't me. It's this. Yeah. And uh. And and. Uh, watch him walk his path. And it's just, it just, uh, man, I don't know. There's just, that's my, like I said, it's my primary purpose in life today is to, to do this deal. And I also had to let, where I was going with that, is I also had to let those guys see me and be truthful that I do get pissed at them kids in there. Yeah. And I, you know, I lose my cool. I'm 100%. And I do dumb stuff still. And, you know, uh, there's something in me wants to, like, hide that part, you know.
1: For the first time in my life being sober I'm allowed to be and expected to be fully human Yeah. so that 7th step prayer is take all of me the good and the bad and use me any way you want to I'm here just put me to work yeah. is basically what it's saying Yeah. and this is our work this is our work and being present enough to be able to recount it Our experiences that it's just such not a high price to pay. (laughs) There's a line in there in the big book it says, God does not make too hard a terms for those who genuinely seek Him. Yep, genuinely seek Him doesn't mean I have to become a monk. Yeah, you see, yeah. Genuinely seek him means that I'm open to becoming fu- fully human, suspended between heaven and earth, you yeah. know, not an animal, not an angel, just what I was meant to be.
0: Yeah, I get to be Dan.
1: And I, yeah, and I always suspected that down inside of me somewhere was something else. And this process, has brought that something else closer to the surface yeah you see I always suspected I could be a good friend I always suspected I could be a good father I always suspected that but I always felt short now I don't fall so short that I can't clean it up and keep Being a father and a friend, don't have to be good or the best. Yeah, but I just am one. Yeah, it's a uh,
0: Brian told that, and it hit me not too long ago because it reminds me of that exactly. And then he said, You know, I always want to be a good dad. Uh, last summer, I became a dad.
1: That's the one, that's the deal, is I get to become human. Yeah, I was always just denying a piece of me, you know. I, and it would vary from hour to hour which piece I was denying you know and I would be putting on masks to cover up this thing and and I would be just god I'm glad I'm not like that anymore
0: yeah that's yeah that's the other thing I was going (laughs) to say just as we were talking about that getting to be me today means that everybody meets Dan pretty much meets the same guy yeah you know if you go talk to somebody that met me yesterday and y'all talk, y'all be talking about the same guy. That ain't the way it used to be. No. Because you know, yeah. I had to do this dance where I always had to let, you know, put on this deal for who I was with. And, and you
1: couldn't let them meet them. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> we I did a lot
0: of secret, you know. You, you talk about yours, you know, and you said it was very evident and it's ever evident to everybody that you were in rough shape. Uh, my story's a little different that I was playing a game that I was not. And if you would look at me from afar, it didn't look too bad. You know, I had, I had a house beautiful wife two kids two cars in the garage had held a job for over 20 years uh you know all that you know and i really had to work really hard to keep that looking okay and also in my heart i said is see I, I am not an alcoholic i'm not a problem nobody that's alcoholic has all that over there that's right uh and and but it made the mask thing really hard when you're in the end of town looking for dope and, and coming back over here and putting on this smiling face and breaking in houses and, and coming back and going to moms and you yeah. know um, it it's was man work. it was a dance it was a lot of work and now it's this comfort of being a transparent well well I believe is that uh, you know and, and there's an endless list I think you could I think you could burn the world's tape up talking about the miracles that come from this program and what all happens uh, you know I'm I I'm, I I stand in integrity today. I'm authentic for the most part, that thing where you see me, everybody sees me. I'm pretty much the same guy day to day. Uh, You know, it's in. in, I don't have to have my I still struggle with having my self-worth wrapped up around how productive I am, you know, and that's something I still do. You know, and it's a teaching that came to me that if I'm not actually doing something productive, then I don't don't deserve to be breathing oxygen today. You know, Mm. I was sick for a few days this week. And I laid up, and I know that's what I need to do, but, man, inside of me, it drives me crazy to be sitting still. You know, I feel like i got to be doing something. And I and my dad lives with me, so here's, you know, all of a sudden I'm 10 again, right? Because my dad walks by the bedroom door, <laughs> and I'm laying in bed, and I'm ashamed because I don't want my dad to see me being lazy. Yeah. You know, and it is still here. It's still in there. Now, today I have eyes to see it, and I have an awareness to know, okay, that's what you're feeling. That's what that is. Uh, he don't care. Uh, and be able to do walk with that today rather than than to process it in some unhealthy way
1: so it's strong but it ain't real that feeling is strong but it ain't real yeah and that's one of the things that so one of the pause when agitated or doubtful ask for the right thought or action and then wait yeah that's hard. Mm -hmm. Not doing is one of the hardest lessons for me to learn, is not doing. And that not doing is required. Yeah, It is absolutely required. That's why the instruction for it is in there. If it wasn't required for us to not do, well, we would think about how hyper we are anyway yeah, yeah. that's oh, what we would be doing some good out there wouldn't we yeah
0: <laughs> well, you see that and you know i've actually had current and we probably all do but i have some real current time experience with you know uh, and luckily some of my sponsors listen to me and call me and let me in on what's going on and you know this thing about like needing to make a snap decision you know like i gotta make a decision today you know and i was like <laughs> i don't think yeah. you really do man <laughs> uh, this thing says to not to and uh let's you know and but but i and i remember that feeling that you know i needed to get that Decision made and, and it was urgent so I could move on to whatever the next one's going to be. And today I know that I don't have to, you know, like you said, you know, I have. So
1: Gandhi, OK, he all of this stuff was going on around Gandhi. And he said, I am so busy right now that I need to meditate for two hours instead of one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've
1: seen that. though. See? Yeah. And, and that is real. Mm hmm. Uh, if I want to be uh, effective, you see, our next deal is to grow in effectiveness mm-hmm. and understanding of this practice. And if I want to the end that I want to grow in effectiveness and understanding of this pr- practice to the end that I can be helpful to the people around me. Right. Okay. If if I want to do that, I have to be still. Inside, mm-hmm. because my direction comes from inside. Yeah. And if I'm not still, I'll get a wonderful idea. Yeah. And the next thing you know, people's toes are getting sore because yeah. <laughs> I'm stepping. back into yeah. the director mode again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just so weird.
0: I liked it. Uh, something else I relate to was that uh, you know uh, Billy got you meditating early. Yeah. And, you know, when I came around, even before, because I have about four years about, I say I bounced off the walls and halls of AA. Yeah. Where I was, you know, get a chip here. I actually got one year chip pretty fairly out of the gates. I stumbled a little bit and then got a one year chip. I didn't drink for a year. I did some other things. Uh, (laughs) But and but so I had a four year period where I was bouncing around, you know. But at the time, I had these wonderful teachers around me that were laying some groundwork with me that I actually was somehow or another getting through this what seemed to be a uh uh import import shell you know but some stuff was getting in and some of the people were people who were meditating and and yeah. and when i had uh done that deal that got me that uh potential prison sentence i thought i had cut off all my a all the corners off my a card you remember was you ever a boy scouts you know how they could give you a knife carrying card I got, I and if you cut them down If you get, if, if, so you get this little card says you carry a knife or hatchet or whatever, you know, and if you got messing up, if you were screwing around with it, they cut a corner off. And if you got all four corners off, you couldn't carry your knife no more and you had to go redo the deal to get it back. That's why that's the analogy I use. I thought I'd cut all corners off my AA card and couldn't come back. (laughs) And, uh, and that was just my pride and ego and all that, doing all that. Uh, but some friend, God tricked me and, and some friend was having a meditation meeting and I said, well, I'll go to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was full AA people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, and I got back in the, uh, in, that, that, that was the gate that got me back into the, into the program and got me, you know, and it took a little while, but, but those guys, uh, yeah. you know, I was playing sober for six months prior to my current sobriety date. So I was showing the world cause a judge needed me to see me, you know, the judge needed to see this dude sober. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't do it, but he, that's what I needed to show out there. And, uh, So like, but I was practicing meditation weekly and with these guys for that six month period, you know.
1: That'll screw you up. Yeah, (laughs) but actually, you
0: know, when I actually hit that point where I was actually ready, you know, I had that under me, so I had yeah. some stillness. So when I was sitting with my sponsor early on, I wasn't like a jitterbug on a string. Yeah, you know, I, I had some stillness, and that really helped me to get to when he would tell me when I was going to. You know, we have a thing in our thing where you sit down, and you ask God to help you to do this work as you're going to do it, and you sit down, and you sit quietly for a few minutes and wait, and then we do the work. And so that wasn't, you know. That that foundation back there made that not be so difficult by now because I've been practicing this meditation thing, even though I hadn't been, you know, staying sober. Now I wasn't drinking like I once did. It was really, really difficult managing like that because had the kids half the time, and I couldn't, you know, couldn't drink when they were here. But man, the second I dropped them off at their at their mom's house, man, and then I'd had to hide for three or four days and not let anybody see me and.
1: (laughs) Middle management is not yeah. my position. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too rough.
0: Yeah, I don't, you know, and it was just, I have a, I have a list of things I ask a guy and, and some ground rules when he asks me sponsoring, you know, and I, and I just lay it out because I want the expectations to be out here, you know, and, and this is what we're going to do just so you know, you know, and uh, one of the things I want to know is where you're at with your prayer and meditation life, you know, and, and, and I get a guy starting to sit quiet and, and looking at that, uh Early on, I don't I don't, I don't wait on a, on starting to teach a guy to to be still.
1: Yeah, it's uh, being still is is a uh, is a huge piece of this thing. Yeah. I used to sit for hours at a time, stare at the Weather Channel, black and white TV, and uh, think about it. <laughs> and, uh, now I can sit for a long time and stare at nothing and be just perfectly all right with that deal.
0: Yeah. I love being quiet today, just being still, you know, I, I grew up, my dad, we grew up in the woods and hunting and fishing, uh, dad threw everything at me that I wanted to do, uh, exposed me to a lot of cool stuff and, 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 I'll be forever grateful to that man, uh, hunting and fishing was something we did together all my life, you know, and uh, some of that stuff had to go away for a little bit while I started to recover because I had turned all that stuff into drinking activities. You know, yeah. I, didn't, I would go down the cabin and just get smashed all weekends. You know, I looked like I, you know, all my hunting gear was there. Sometimes right. I even drag my ass out <laughs> to the bottom of a tree someplace and go to sleep. Uh, uh, but it, and it all turned into that. Well, it's it's come back, but you know, today the hunting part of it has changed. You know, and today I I go. it's a it's a quiet and a real peaceful place for me to go sit. Yeah. For a bunch of hours in a row uh, and nobody will bother me and, uh, and it's a little bit of an excuse and, and, and that's what I do when I go to the woods today. Is just go be still out there. and uh,
1: It's great to find those sanctuaries. Yeah. It is. It's also necessary, I think, uh, to make my sanctuary portable. Yeah. So that I can envision mm-hmm. in my mind's eye. I can envision my, at the foot of a tree, in the shade. And then I can look around and I can see all that, even if I'm at the train station.
0: The doctor's office, the grocery store line. Any of those
1: (laughs) places. And in in my mind's eye, there is always water. Mm. And it's always a kind of a, a dark color and it's always smooth and still and I'm sitting a little above that Mm. and seeing that calm place Mm. and that calm place is me is in me and I can carry that with me and it comes to me with breathe in breathe out Breathe in, breathe out. I breathe in, my body calms. And I breathe out, and I smile, and I see my pond, and I know where I am, and I'm grounded, and I'm safe and protected. Yeah, Right there, no matter where it is. I have to be mindful enough to call it to the fore. Sometimes it's, you know, like... Uh, uh, <laughs> When all of the grandkids are in the house at once, it's really hard, but absolutely necessary. I have children. I have grandchildren. Uh, One's 18 now. Is that right? Is he 20? Well, I have this one. He's the oldest, and he has never seen his... uh, Papa drunk. Right, yeah. Ever. Nice. They don't even know what that might look like.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Miracles. It's
1: stunning, isn't it? It's stunning. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't not drink to save myself, to save my marriage, to save my kids. I could not not drink. And I still cannot not drink except for honest to goodness divine intervention, moment by moment, keeping me in this. Yeah. All, all that's required of me is the willingness to help somebody else and to sit still. That's it. God doesn't make too hard of terms. Yes. Yeah. And these other kids, his new, his other children out there that are, they're needing people. There is. Yeah, and it's getting real, well, I don't know whether it's
0: really getting. Yeah, I'm there too. You know, I'll go because you. I look at this like this thing, like with kids. You know, this this little premise was always. I don't understand this younger generation. You know, and that's been a thing that's gone on forever, right? Yeah. And, and the other night, some some guy was in a meeting, and she was talking about managing this daughter's life. I could hear her. she's really stressed out because this girl will
2: not do what I tell her to.
0: And when it got around to my time to share, I said, "Well, first I want to ask a question, to everybody." I said, "Uh, uh everybody uh, who did everything that their parents told them to do." Or maybe even anything. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, we, we can. You know, it's. Uh, I remember you also clicked off on. They told you not to do that on drinking that beer. You can't have this. Yeah, you know. And for people like us, that's actually the opposite. That's it's challenge. like yeah, yeah, it does it does the other way around.
1: And when I was in school, in uh, middle school or high school one, they told me they said you're bright enough to do anything you want. Mm-hmm. And I took that as permission, <laughs> <laughs> and my high school career went on a yeah. nosedive. Yeah. You know, but I so I misunderstood.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, a <laughs> disease of perception thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, I yeah. thought I had permission to do whatever. I <laughs>
0: to come real quick back on that thing about like the world seems to be i mean and i would like agree at some level but I'm, i i question myself there really quickly i stop short and Go well first off dan you don't know nearer about the stuff you think you know yeah. but it does seem to me that there's a great deal of strife in the hearts of humans moving around the areas i'm moving around yeah. i see stress i see uh a lot of tension i just see this 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 almost this real yucky vibration as I go to the grocery store and people around me. And it's not all, but I just feel it and I see it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know that there's a lot of systems. Uh, there's a guy that says this line, and I really like it. He says, uh, the, the the apparatuses we have traditionally used to make sense of life aren't working for a lot of folks today. Yeah. You know, they're not finding that in, uh, in the churches as much as what was once the, the pillar of what kind of kept people on some kind of uh, – way to operate you know and people are rejecting that today for whatever reason i don't think the i don't think the fundamentals are you know you know they're still solid we they're really this has just been tied in a blue bow where that's tied in a red bow Uh, buddhism is tied in a green one and hindus in yellow and it's all these ancient spiritual traditions that we've been are all pretty much the same just said a little differently but i see that out there in the world today and and it feels like it's at a higher level now i wonder if it's my awareness
1: i i I got a suspicion that we're becoming more aware of things that go on around us than we ever were we're maybe by god's grace a little less self-centered so that we're actually seeing people suffer yeah really good instead of me looking at oh yeah, my eyeballs turned around backwards looking right, at me right so the picture
0: show in the back of my head
1: I think it's a part of waking up yeah. and I think maybe uh, that the more I'm exposed to that the more compassionate I'll become the more willing I'll be to sit quiet and be helpful when I can yeah and not to uh, spring into self determined action and cause more problems but just to go slowly and act with compassion even though I know there's things that are not right and my approach to those will maybe if I can continue in the process will become less condemnatory and more compassionate so that when people come and sit with me and I'm seeing my pond mm-hmm. that they'll feel safe. Yeah. They'll feel when we feel safe, then our conversation changes. When our conversation, the tone and the quality of our conversation changes. Our lives follow behind that a lot. Conversation is an action. It's a physical action and as the quality of that conversation becomes safer and quieter and we can share what's going on with us safely that's when healing starts yeah. that's when it's beautiful people around us heal so billy told me well <laughs> I don't think I'm meditating enough. I don't think I'm, you know, I'm not floating yet, you know, and he said, Brad, you never judge the quality of your meditation by how you feel. Has nothing to do with how you feel. Has everything to do with how people respond to you. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. And I began a practice walking down the street, paying attention, and breathing. And that's part of my deal. Uh, And I walk down the street, and I breathe, and I walk kind of close to my breathing tempo, Mm -hmm. you know. And now it's a lot slower, because I got two new hips, you Ah. know, they're not broken yet. And, uh, but I noticed that people coming at me were smiling. Mm. And I thought, well, this is odd. And they kept coming at me smiling and nod, and I'd nod back. And what finally dawned on me was that I was smiling at them. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and so it was a shared experience even with strangers, with anybody that, uh, in grocery stores, little yeah. old ladies who would normally run from me uh, were asking me to help them.
0: Yeah, where's the olives?
1: Yeah, <laughs> And they're not afraid to walk up to me. Yeah. And yeah. that's not me trying because many times i just soon not be bothered. Yeah,
0: I'm just doing my deal, walking my walk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and so the quality of our meditation, of our practice can be best seen in how people respond to us. Yeah, that's Do great. they feel safe? Do they feel safe here? Is this a quiet place where they can come and sit? And even if they don't talk, you see, yeah. Can they just sit here with yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you don't talk. <laughs> but, uh, and, and that's how Billy taught me. You know? Yeah. And, uh, we, I know there's no teachers in an AA.
0: Uh, or they're all.
1: Or everybody's a teacher if we pay attention. But I thank God for the teachers who have come into my life. I Me needed too. them. I needed Billy, and I needed Don, and I needed Don P from out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And these people, as well as new people, show up in our lives when we need them. Not when I want them, mm-hmm. but when when they're necessary, they'll show up and start giving us a message. Yeah, And that message, remember, it'll resonate and it'll be just, it will just be like one of those little bowls. It'll go, ooh, and you go, oh, what am I hearing? Let me pay really close attention. And one guy told me, he said, now, next time you're uh, giving your pitch, He said, you really should pay attention to what you're saying because you may learn something.
0: (laughs) I, you know, that's all, I mean, how many times does that happen that you say something there was no possible way that you could have said that to some sponsee that you're like, those were not my words. Yeah. You know, that just came, that is, that is this power, that's this program speaking, that is, use me as an instrument.
1: You said, you said. I did. Well, I'm brilliant. Listen, look at this. I didn't know I was that sharp. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just right there, you know. Did I really say that? And You got me confused. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we started this conversation today with a prayer. We start each day with a prayer. We end each day with a prayer. That's so that we can acknowledge that, so that... uh, I don't understand it. I'm not a, you know, one of those metaphysical guys. But it's just amazing to me that something I didn't tell you about is that this little drunk that was living in a tool shed would end up celebrating his tenth. Sobriety anniversary, standing on top of Mount Sinai in the middle of the Egyptian desert. Wow. How does a how little does drunk that from happen? Frankfurt get there? Yeah. Not on my own. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just the most stunning uh, sunrise I'd ever seen. Wow! You know, uh, how does that happen? To yeah. It,
0: that's a little thing i, was, I found myself saying out loud one time in a talk and somebody pointed it out to me and it's one of them ones and he i kept on saying how does that happen <laughs> i don't know how that happens you no, know no. but uh i have a similar thing where i was on at home incarceration and probation i couldn't leave the count i couldn't leave these three counties <laughs> if i wanted to leave those i had to get a per, per approval from the from the judge down there yeah. and they told me no a couple times even to do recovery related stuff and um I got picked for a team and, and on my job. I, I was an engineer for 28 years, I got laid off in March, best thing ever happened to me. Uh, and, I, and I know who was controlling all that. And, uh, but I was traveled a lot for my job, and I asked them, I said, you know, what happens if my work Asked me to travel, and they're like, nope. <laughs> and I never, uh, so I went back to work, and I didn't get asked to travel for that entire, entire time that I was on that. And I was always scared I was going to, you know. And uh, I got picked for some team and we were gonna go to Japan and get some training. And this was in the timelines are really, I don't really like to do timelines because they confuse people, but it was September when the team started and we were supposed to go to Japan and it got postponed and it got postponed. Well, I went down and asked my probation officer and she's like, you know, at this point, you've been around and you've been doing well, you know, if they were gonna send you to Alabama or, or, or Utah or something, I'd be able to do it, but I don't think they're gonna sign off on Japan. And I said, uh, you know, so what I, he said, she said, we we can, we can, we can petition for it, but, you know, let me know if it comes to fruition. And I said, okay. So I told my sponsor, you know, do the deal, keep on believing this thing works. And the the trip kept on getting postponed and postponed and postponed and postponed. And uh, I got off probation and completely off of paperwork on February the 18th of uh, whatever year that was, seventeen. And on the 28th, 10 days later, I was on a plane (laughs) to Japan. And my first night down there, there's a, in Nagasaki, Japan, there's a, and I can't remember the name of the mountain anymore, but you ride the gondola cable cars up to the top of it. And uh, Nagasaki, the port of Nagasaki is raised as one of the top three nightscapes in the world. And I'm standing up there and just 10 days ago, I had to get permission to leave the county and I'm standing on top of that with the sunset over the japanese ocean behind yeah. me yeah looking at the lights beginning to come on in this darkened port and i mean just wave i know of what like wow i mean like just a, a, a like a, a static electricity charge and i can redo it yeah he's talking about getting it back again you know yeah. when you get your quiet you're know, just talking about it brings it yeah of that right. you know and, and the guys that were with me they go where are you going so i'm going up there <laughs> and they really are you can i go and i said yeah if you want to go that's where i'm going that's you know and so my it. little group i was just going to go my little group jumped on and they went with me uh they didn't have any idea what was going on up on that hill uh <laughs> i was the only one that knew yeah uh and but man phew, just just how does that happen
1: we don't and it makes great stories though
0: it does <laughs> and you know, the thing is, you know, and, I, and and I, you're a really good storyteller. A lot of us are, uh, I, I think I'm a pretty decent storyteller. I mean, uh, and, um, but I have guys come to me and they can't hardly talk. And they're kicking their shoestrings and i tell this other joke i stole from some speaker, some places that said, a lot of guys i'm i'm figuring they must like my shoes because that's where they're looking the whole time <laughs> while they're talking to me <laughs> and then, and you know and in a year or two whatever however I mean the timeline don't matter at some point in time they've done that blooming effect and they're standing there telling these awesome stories about a baby being born when my mom was getting over my wife was divorcing me when i got here yeah. and you know my mom has uh allowed me to come back into the family and any number of other miracles that uh that they're doing and they're telling these stories too, you know, and it keeps me in the ball game. Uh to to watch that happen in the lives of these people that God allows me to help. Uh, and others. Yeah. But specifically the ones that I you know, that yeah. he allowed me to do. Uh, here this is yours. Yeah. I do a good job with this and yeah. trusting you. <laughs> well. Uh a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little uh fil- a little Ooh. little loose there. But uh Yeah, you know, they say they like coming to believe, right? And we were talking there the other night about how you continue to practice the third step and, and continue to let go and turn this stuff over and you know, and, and if I'm doing the deal, I don't find it that hard. I mean I've stumbled, sure. But when I watch guys doing this and I'm staying in the ball game and I'm i I'm playing this role God assigns me. Then I don't find it that hard to do that. I'm not doing the take it back, let it go, take it back, let it go on some kind of like real jerky basis.
1: It, what ever made me think that I was strong enough to take anything back? You're yeah, right. I mean,
2: come on. Yeah. <laughs> said, your so your God's too small.
1: When that one place in there, old Chuck Chamberlain, he said this something. I think now I could be wrong, but. He said, God's will is going to be done, kids. <laughs> he said, Now you can go there kicking and screaming, or you can go there singing and dancing. The choice yeah. is up to you.
0: That's a great line. I have and not it, heard that.
1: And it's just, there you are. Which way do you want to go? Yeah. Because it's happening. So when I was early, I would get all in this tussle oh, God's will, not God's will. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm doing all that kind of stuff, and I'm just crazy. And I said, "Billy, how do I know?" And he said, "Uh, is it happening?" <laughs> I, I said, <laughs> "That's well, great." Yeah. He said, yeah. <laughs> Guess "Uh." That's what? great too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that took a lot of the weight off of me too. It really did cuz yeah. any time I catch myself in that wrestling match, you know, and I'll go there. Yeah. And <laughs> I said, Wait a minute. Is this going on? <laughs> is this really? Okay, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you might as well just accept this thing. And, you know, uh, to be able to look at my humanity and my fallibility and all my clumsiness, all of that stuff, and just accept it as this is your deal helps me see other people with more compassion and understanding. I can sit quieter with them because we're just alike. I mean, so that whole thing about unique, you remember that, you know, you're not unique. Ha, I am, I'm unique, and you're unique, and you're, we're just not special. If I get rid of the special part, yeah, I can be unique. Mm. I can be exactly Love the that bundle yeah. that God meant for me to be. Yeah. And I'm doing the work that I need to do to get to know him better. You see, I'm doing that. Uh I just have to use lose that special thing. If I, you know, I'm not entitled. I'm not special. I am unique. One guy said uh, he said, if we're not unique, one of us is useless. Mm. <laughs> and because I can't do the things you do. Yeah. And I can't be f- comfortable in the things that you do. You know, and I can't be effective. I can only be effective in the way that I'm designed to be effective. And to be that, I have to be clear of the wreckage of my past, I have to be present here and i have to be willing to accept my full humanity and yours yeah and just i heard a a wonderful little prayer uh, just maybe it was this morning or yesterday morning i heard a, a guy from around here talking about a prayer that he was given. God help me to love. That's the whole deal. Yeah. I I don't want to get love mixed up with anything else. I just, please show me how to really do this deal. And that was one of those that rang inside of my heart. Yeah. That maybe I can start applying that little prayer in my life so that uh, there's less stress and weirdness in the world around me. You know, that there's more compassion and understanding uh, where we go. That's what, you see, people come into AA, to, uh, and this goes to the traditions in, a, in an odd sort of way, but people come to AA and they get around people who are doing this kind of practice, this 12-step practice, and they're really doing it, they don't want to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They want to sit with those people and be where they feel safe. I mean, I can see why it's difficult. You know? I mean, man oh man, if you get around three or four people who are uh, practicing, It's just a whole different ball game. Yeah. It's like, ah, yeah, okay. (laughs) Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you think, well, now what? Oh, nothing. (laughs) Let's just be here. Yeah.
0: uh, I love the guys that I have. They are. I have been placed or something has happened that that has put me in the middle of a whole bunch of uh, guys that are really doing a deal, Brian uh and a whole bunch of us like that then we're all uh i know that we like care about each other beyond my ever understanding you know this thing says another line out it says it'll help you create the fellowship you crave yeah. you know and, and at some level that's always what i was hunting and now i have it around me and i've got these brothers that i know for a fact we got this little app on our phone and i you know i know there's some boundary kind of stuff there too but uh that that tells uh that keeps us in contact yeah. and it's private. It's not Facebook. Is that and we stay in contact with one another. And If somebody needs help, it's, it's 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 it it will make me cry to watch stuff happen on there. When we got a new guy in there, his water heater went out the other day, and he's about to flip his lid because he's got the world's biggest problem. And Some <laughs> yeah. other guy says, "I'll be over in just a minute." Yeah, yeah, and then at like ten o'clock in the morning, they're saying it's done. You know, and and then that's just the this, that's just the other day's example. Yeah, of doing this deal together. You know, we get together, and uh, you know, it's just it's just. I, I don't have any kind of words. I can even begin to say what the what those men mean to me.
1: It says, uh, and you can join us in the fellowship of the Spirit. It says that right in there. Mm-hmm. And that's what
0: same page, I think.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's. It's something I never dreamed of. And I can't picture sobriety. I couldn't imagine not having a drink.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just, I'm grateful for the life that I've been given. And it's built on all well, Bill used to say, and it, it is true. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, Bob White, Chuck, Don P. Countless. uh, All those guys. You know, we're standing on their shoulders, having a peek around now. Yeah, that's just Bob White. He said. Rest easy, cowboy. I wonder what would have happened early on if somebody told me, "Just rest easy, cowboy. You can't fix yourself. Only God can do that." (laughs) For 20 years, that's been ringing around in my head. You can't fix yourself, Brad. Don't even try. Yeah, I know. God will fix you when it's necessary and for what's needed. And other than that, have fun. Have fun. this one wonderful guy he said this is god's amusement park planet for god's sake get on the roller coaster and put your arms up yeah. and have some fun here
0: yeah no <laughs> doubt yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Be- it's another one of those kind of things you know and I'm, i don't know I, I come to me the other day and i've been fortunate and and that seems to be what happens when you do this is that uh, a lot of good guys have come my way to that that he that, that to help and and I get to watch them, and uh, and and I did a fifth step down to cabin just last week. I mean, continually, like I'm going down there just all the time. Yeah. And uh, and and I love doing it. We get to ride times about an hour away, so you get that little chatter. You get all in the beginning chatter our way on a drive down, you know. So when you get down there, you get to work. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And uh, and and you know, sometimes I start looking at it, man, and it, and it almost feels like I've sponsored the uh, the same person x many times whatever that number is you know because yeah. it's like it's this it's the, the the pattern is beginning and my sponsor warned me about that 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 pattern is getting to be a little um, foreseeable and we do this this stuff where we can't have any fun you what made me think of this is that you know you can't imagine having fun you know, you're not having any fun at the end anyway, you know, but but stop and do, you just can't even conceive no. what? of anything being fun. How am I going to do this and have fun? How am I, my life is going to be over? I'm going to sit around on a damn log and just die. And, uh, and you know, and today that's another thing is to encourage my guys, you know, let's go have some fun.
1: Yeah. Let's go and do some things, man. Let go. My life did
0: end. It is? Reborn?
1: Yeah, I am reborn. Yep. That's a. Promise that doesn't get talked about much. I think mostly because of the language, probably. Yeah. But it's yeah,
0: people reject the words, even though Bill says, "Please do not prejudice yourself against the words we use." <laughs> My favorite little thing lately is that, like, because you just see people have a physical reaction sometimes the word God. Yeah, you know, and uh, and and I try, and I and, and it's like, you know, if I if you asked me for a Kleenex and I handed you a box of Target brand tissues. You ain't gonna care, right? You know, you ain't turning over the box to see if it says Kleenex on the bottom of it, and that's really just a way we're using that or It's just a word we're using to convey whatever that is. I sure as hell don't know what it is. I'd be a long shot from thinking that I could actually say, "Yeah, I know his name is God." I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> a birth certificate. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but the. Uh, See, that reborn thing, there's a few of them, you know, you'll see, you know, yeah, because you get, like I said, that awareness. You actually see people flinch, you know, like, Ugh!
1: well, we came from the Oxford group. What do you expect? Yeah. I mean.
0: And we're here in America, you know, and that's what we do here. Yeah. And, or it's what we've traditionally done in these states is, is that,
1: you know. And. So the one, one really nice concept early on that helped me a little bit was uh, that God is uh, not a noun yeah <laughs> okay it's yeah. not a noun yeah <laughs> just get over it, <laughs> it, it and uh, yeah i like that too uh, well, god is a verb yeah so we're going out here and we're going to be godding today <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm going to get up out of this bed and i'm going godding and
0: uh is yeah, it like that language is like I mean, it may almost be like you know if you had to learn a different language to know this you know, that's just the language that we had, you know, get over it. It's the words we grunt and the noises we make, you know. Uh, that's what we've learned, to, how we've learned to communicate. Don't hang too much on the words. But then I'll turn the corner and I'll go, when it said thoroughly, completely, and absolutely, <laughs> that means something by God.
1: <laughs> Try to get your head around this way. Right. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. Thank you for, for uh, letting me come over here and visit today.
0: Well, thank you. I'm on fire. I get that buzz, that one that, uh, that's all clean and, uh, and, and all natural yeah. that, uh, that I get to harness in this program. And I'm just like, uh, that's the way I feel right now, light, high, and it's all the good stuff. It's the good juice. Yeah, and, and it's uh, unnatural. It, for a lot. <laughs> really yeah. weird. We call our stuff juice. That's what we say. For, oh. That's a term that we're our little group, and I didn't invent it. Oh, okay. But we call, so when somebody would maybe share a really good story with us. We say juice, I and mean, oh. like one of the things I say, share some juice with me. Oh, and uh, and we're I'd sharing be the juice. For Welch's, I yeah, know. yeah. But as I said it's just our word. I don't know how I mean, there's actually is a backstory how it came about. But it, it doesn't make any difference. It's just our language of how we do things. And like when I had to do that stuff with the guy in the beginning, I said when you get this, when you work these steps. And you're on fire and your deal is you're walking this path one of the requirements is that you must share the juice with me you have yeah. you got to call me up and tell me this stuff because you need to feed me that yeah. stuff and uh and they do and that's what you know i mean it's just just awesome to get the phone call man i got some juice to share <laughs> let me have it and so one of my friends actually is a step-nephew my my, my uh, i'll just call him i shouldn't put that on there he's just my nephew he called me the other day and he showed me a picture and he said Hey, you got any interest in this sign? And I looked at it, and I immediately did.
1: Oh yeah, uh, that's
0: nice. And and that's just our deal. And then that's the that's this juice, this this aura, the Eastern. I'm probably not even talking micro. The The Eastern people call it uh, prana, the that that life energy. That you know, there's a million words for it, and and ours is juice. Yeah. And I'm full of it right now.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. thank you. Uh, it really has. I, I, I continue to be blessed to sit down here and do this, and 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 God keeps sending people to this little wood shop in the backyard of some place in New Albany, Indiana, uh, where we get to broadcast this out to further people oh, and carry that. a message, <laughs> and uh, and so that that like that says, so that they may say, yes, I want that too. Yeah. yeah. There was. A, yeah. I just saw you sigh, you a little did you ever hear me say that? Uh-huh. There's always a part at the end of the podcast yeah. when people kinda of get done and they kinda of, they'll go.
2: Yep.
0: Done. <sighs> yeah, and that's a cool thing too, because behind the podium you got that little window. Right? Yeah. And, and you can get that out to the people, the however many people are in the room at the time. Uh you know, today we actually you know, you get to that point where you I say we've we almost like you you kinda of come to a completion at the moment. You know, at this moment done. it's complete. And, and, and I get it all out. So let me close this thing up. I do really appreciate you being here. Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I just feel so blessed to be doing these things with guys like you and to be able to be here to 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 soak up some of your juice and, and share juice with one another. Uh, and any final comments before I do the sign-offs? I don't know.
1: I don't think
0: so. Okay, cool. Much, so I'll tell you spiritualunderground.org. That's where the uh, show notes are at. The music around this thing is by Darren Frank. He's a home group brother of ours. And um, go to Amazon and get 12 Step Spiritual Recovery, a book by James Christopher Cohn. Uh, the 12 Steps for Anybody. So, as I always close this thing up, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And... Thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out.
1: wanted always tried to do everything they said
2: only give the things they would approve of lock away all your dreams inside your head year after year you try to be a good girl they never failed to point out Stuck to the program like a robot, became a trophy for Mom and Dad. inside you are more.